What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello, guys, and welcome on in to our pop culture history lesson today. Today, we are recapping the top moments from the VMAs. I'm Zach Peter, and welcome my co-host... Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray. Big Waz. Zach, this is the first time we're ever potting together. I'm, I'm so happy that we're finally getting to do this. I know, Waz. I am so excited to have a fellow pop culture junkie that used to love watching the VMAs. I'm kind of sad to see that the VMAs have kind of died a bit. Like, the golden <laughs> era of the VMAs has has since expired. So... Uh, like I'm, I don't know how old you are, Zach, but I'm 35, and just basically every single day, it feels like I'm being reminded of something that was like a cultural tentpole of my younger life is now just an artifact, right? Like we're talking about the VMAs, but it may just as well be like AOL or <laughs> you know um, any other artifact from back in the days that used to literally be a part of our daily lives. Like, we would come home, watch MTV, TRL, or in my case, even shit like Rap City on BT, and just be glued to the TV watching music videos in a time where this shit wasn't on demand. Like, it wasn't just, oh, I want to watch a, you know, a Drake video right now. Let me just pop it onto YouTube and I could just watch it. The only way we could watch these videos was when these channels played them for us. <laughs> 
I mean, I miss Tiara. Like those were really the golden days of like VH1 and MTV when it really was about the music. And I used to love like watching the music videos and thinking that I was like, you know, the equivalent of Joan Rivers on Fashion Police or on the red carpets, like critiquing these music videos and trying to like determine which were the best ones. So that's why I kind of loved watching like the VMAs because I mean, ultimately they told us which were the best ones or sometimes, you know, Kanye West told us which videos were the best ones. But, you know, I, I loved growing up watching the VMAs. I'm 29, so I'm I'm a couple years behind you, but I promise I was just, <laughs> I was sneaking into rated R movies from a very young age. I love that. And, and also the other part about video culture and the VMAs and shows like TRL, um, way less so 106 in Park, but like TRL, without that show, I would have never interacted with shit like corn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or nine right. inch nails. Like I would never, ever, ever in my life had been introduced to any of that stuff, right? So when these artists are having these moments at the VMAs, I had already been introduced to their work through these shows that were so popular amongst people my age. Right. I mean, the genres that we were able to kind of gain that exposure to. I mean, you're right. I probably would have never listened to Corn either. But like, I feel like now <laughs> I have such a, a well, um, a, a well ranged uh, palette for music because I can go from listening to like, you know, something as mainstream as like Kanye and Mumford and Sons to also love and like a good You Belong With Me, Taylor Swift. Like, I feel like my range, even though it is still pretty basic bitch, like it still at least hits the basic bitch <laughs> top of all the genres. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to pretend that I ever went out and bought a corn CD, right? Like, um, it was just like, oh, I'm familiar with this stuff. I vaguely remember a video where like a bullet traveled throughout the whole video. I, I don't know what yeah. the song was, but like, like, you know, that's that's sort of been implanted in my mind. And then the VMAs, of course, was just like the culmination of this culture, right? That that it was appointment viewing. Plus, like as somebody who was born and raised in New York, like it was in New York. And so that had like a resonance with you as a New Yorker that it's this big event in our city where the biggest celebrities and stars throughout pop culture would show up. Um, it, I, I don't know. Like there's nothing that compares to it these days that an old fogey like myself could compare to somebody you know, who's who's obsessed with Logan Paul, right? Like, is there a YouTuber convention somewhere <laughs> where, like, a bunch of YouTubers and TikTokers meet up? It doesn't exist. Like, th this... It does. It's VidCon. You need to go to oh, VidCon. Oh, there's a VidCon. Oh, my there's God. There's a VidCon. Look at me my There's a con for everything, Waz. Literally everything. They just had a 90s con. <laughs> so okay so th th this is a great digression could you describe to me what vidcon is who's allowed to go is this thing broadcasted anywhere T talk to me about vidcon <laughs> so yes as somebody that has a you know a strong presence on youtube um i have yet to actually attend a vidcon but i was i was uh being convinced the other day with another youtuber um but so vidcon is essentially like where you learn about you know youtube i think it was originally spearheaded by youtube where you go and you learn about like video content the best tips and tricks and practices mm. and you have meetups with all these different youtubers 
It's essentially Comic-Con for YouTubers. Nobody gets dressed up the way that you do at Comic-Con. Um, I live in downtown LA, so I've seen enough of those here. You know, when people are walking around in furry costumes, I'm like, okay. Uh, I just hate the traffic's really bad this weekend. But um, but yeah, there's a there's literally a con. For, I'm waiting for there to be an MTV con because now Bravo has their con that we need an MTV con where we can relive a lot of these moments. Okay, so... Video con is not like where, you know, Logan Paul doesn't show up and sweep all the awards, right? Like a Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera would. It's just more like literally like an industry convention. But I do think they have like evening events where there are awards where you can. And they also have the streamies, which is an award for content creators like TikTokers and stuff. So you can win a streamy award. Um, I've sadly not been nominated for a streamy <laughs> award but hopefully one day well is the streamy and we could get off of this but i'm very fascinated by it. is the streamy award as good looking or iconic as the moon man no i don't think so i mean the fact that it i mean the moon man is like an is a pop culture like icon it's something that we all know or even the big surfboards from like the the people's choice awards you know those are all moments i wouldn't say the streamies has delivered a strong enough moment, which goes back to my point of pop culture has died. And now we're just kind of an internet culture now. Sad. Uh, but the good thing we're here today to celebrate. I'm looking at a streamy award right now. It's like a silhouette of what looks like damn, almost like the ex machina chick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not quite a moon man. Sorry. Streamers. No. So since we are chatting about like the top moments from the VMAs, is there a moment that really sticks out to you as like what you would put down in VMA MTV history? I mean, for me, it, it's absolutely the Kanye moment uh, yeah. with Taylor Swift because one, just how like it, it absolutely blew up in the greater popular culture. And like it started, it started a weird conversation, right? About race and privilege and blah and this. And Kanye attacked the nice, young, beautiful, blonde woman. And it 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 just set off this whole thing. And then the best part about it is that it lasted for like 10 years. (laughs) Like these people were still mad at each other 10 years later um, about this shit. So like that's the one that I think still with me even has the most resonance because I don't think Kanye's career and public perception has ever um, been the same since. And Taylor Swift, well, we know what happened with her. Like it, 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 like the whole victimhood, uh, damsel yes. in distress. Can we just say, like, yeah, we belong to, or what is it? You belong with me. Whatever her song, uh, we belong together. I think is what it was called. Yes, that was a cute song, but let's be honest. This moment, and as much as she wants to be like, don't let men, you know, take oh, away gosh. from the credit of women. Like, and I, yes, you've worked very hard as a woman in Hollywood with a very strong team behind you, Taylor Swift, but. This this moment really did kind of put her on the map. Kanye as well. Beyonce didn't need the moment. Beyonce had, had several moments by that. Her like Beyonce's career was top tier. But so the moment you're referring to is at the 2009 VMAs when Taylor Swift won for best female video. And Beyonce was also up against her for, I believe it was the single, single ladies, ladies music mm-hmm. video. Iconic. And mm-hmm. so, 
iconic. So Taylor Swift goes up to accept her award and she's shocked, right? Every award she's winning at this era, she's like, oh my God, what? I've won! Like ready to faint in the audience. And so she comes up on stage and she's like ready to say thank you. Kanye runs up with his, you know, classic, uh, stronger uh, sunglasses and he grabs the mic away from her and he's like, yo, Taylor, whatever. But I just, we just need to say Beyonce had the best video of all time. And Beyonce's in the audience and she's like, oh my God, what is he doing? And that was the moment that everybody was like, how could Kanye West do this to Taylor Swift? She's this young 19-year-old girl. Like, it was just like, everybody was up in arms about it. Um, And Taylor Swift, as you said, then spearheaded this whole victim narrative of like, you know, (laughs) she wrote a song about it. And like, you know, right. I mean, listen, he shouldn't have gone up on stage and did what he did. But at the same time, like, she really leaned into it and and used it to her benefit in her career. You know, Twitter, the, the Swift are going to come for us on Twitter was they're they love them some T Swift but um but I mean come on he really did do a lot in your opinion would you say that her video you know about you know being a cheerleader and we belong together <laughs> at the end of the day was better than all the single ladies the, all the single I, ladies I don't think anybody could actually say that Taylor Swift made a better video than Beyonce but that was that almost became besides the point I remember. In real time, because this is around the time that Twitter first became a thing. And I remember being on Twitter and just seeing the reactions of people that was like, hell fucking yeah, you goddamn right. Beyonce had the better video. And I'm not going to lie. This wasn't even me being like tapping into my contrarian uh, streak. I I was more annoyed with Kanye where it's like, here's the thing. Beyonce herself is sitting there next to her husband, right? Right. So the principal and the person's husband are sitting there. And they're, they're fine. It's fine. It's okay. Um, th- like, he's not advocating on, on behalf of some little engine that could, that isn't getting enough popular recognition and all. It's fucking Beyonce. We're talking about U.S. Steel right. here. Okay? Like, she's fine without a VMA. Um, and so for Kanye to get up there and be all, look at me, I'm I'm stumping for actual art and culture. I was a bit annoyed by Kanye's behavior at the time. But it wasn't like, oh my God, he's a monster. And then, you know, by the time the story got sort of consumed by the the media complex, I had made a 180 and was like, we're doing a little bit too much on behalf of this little white girl right now. We're, we're, We're really taking it a little bit too far. We did. We did take it pretty far. And listen, she still ran with that narrative even until recently. Like, listen, if there's anything you give the girl credit for, woman now, if there's anything we give her credit for, it really is that she is able to turn any sort of, you know, wrong towards her, big or small, and really capitalize off of that in a way that other artists haven't been able to. Any controversy that they come into, it kind of will will bury them where they try to run from it. But she really continues to build off of that. And this feud went on where Kim Kardashian then jumped into it and blasted her for his famous music video. Um, and listen, it's like Batman and the Joker, right? Where they kind of need each other to continue to rise and thrive, or they used each other. And it was convenient. The feud was convenient convenient for both of them and they continue to piggyback off of each other for more than a decade after yeah and it 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 also helped in another taylor swift tradition which is using her music as a way 
to talk about her feuds with other public people. Right. Whether it be John Mayer or some of her other frenemies who happen to be women. Like, she she loved using her music to talk about, basically talk about her own celebrity gossip. And this was another catapult for, you know, that other Taylor Swift tradition, which is, you know, spilling tea and being messy. And that's what her songs really became. As cutesy and po- and poppy as they were, they were so messy. Yeah. Like, she should have been a real housewife always. with the amount of tea that she spills in her songs. Always. Always. And, you know, I, I, I look, I, I've never been a fan of her music. It's not my cup of tea. This is not to speak to the quality of it. It's just she doesn't make... Um, music for young Haitian American men from Queens, New York. But like, you know, whatever, more power to her. She's made an incredible career out of it. You know, she's she's dropped self-aggrandizing documentaries out of it. Like she's she's made a whole industry into and unto herself. So congrats to her for doing all she did, making all she did out of this moment. So you don't think we belong together or You Belong With Me was a better music video than Single Ladies. No, no, no. I, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so at all. Interesting that that video did win that year. I mean, we all know that these awards really kind of, there's, it's more about the politics behind the scenes. Beyonce didn't need another VMA. They were yeah, probably and, trying to pimp out. Taylor Swift you know. might have performed that night because that, listen, MTV's not above that. Like, if you don't perform, they might not give you the win. Grammys do yeah. the same shit. They might not yeah. nominate you if you don't agree to show up to the awards show and do the dog and pony show. So a lot of that is just straight up, did you scratch my back? I will scratch yours by handing you an award at our ceremony. That's all. There's no actual meaning to any of these, uh, you know what I'm saying, like, acknowledgements. Right. I think one of my favorite VMA moments has to be the Miley Cyrus Robin Thicke performance. Another one, yeah. yeah. 2013 VMAs, Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke joined forces for a performance that, like, really rocked the internet because it was so sexual and she was like such a good girl she was such yeah. a she was hannah montana hannah montana hannah montana ripped off that wig threw it out into the audience <laughs> and ripped off her clothes with it and it was just wild because it was yeah. it was blurred lines that robin came out to perform with her and that in and of itself has become a controversial song because of the blurred lines with certain you know relationships but she really went all in tongue out she had the finger rubbing it on his dick twerking you know clapping her booty on him and he whether he was trying to stay true to character of like the blurred lines and I don't know if I should indulge in this or he really was like this little Disney girl is trying to twerk on me live in front of the audience (laughs) and I don't need to be in another controversy right now whatever it was he was very much like trying to fight the temptation of indulging in Miley Cyrus Yeah, you know, I I went and watched the entire performance again in anticipation of today's pod. And so many things just strike me as just like one in 2013, just like the idea that the VMAs were still seen as useful is kind of funny because they had already like the video as like this huge, important thing in the artist's output had already 
been dispelled. Like we were already kind of done with videos as a thing, but it was still like an award show that artists could come and promote themselves. So that kind of struck me. I was like, damn, 10 years ago, MTV was finished as it, as it pertains to music. Like they had already transitioned to we're the teen mom network. Right. And so that kind of struck, stuck with me. You know, I'm watching, they, they cut to Drake awkwardly watching in the audience and, and all of this in, much like Taylor Swift and um, Kanye, this did a whole cultural, racial relations, um, appropriation, and all of this. Like, a really just, like, exhausting conversation around Miley Cyrus's singing career that I just think, like, looking back 10 years later was a bit overdone, right? Like, she... Again, we know we know the trope where a pop princess, you know, a mainstream, cuddly, sweet girl next door type tries to break out of that image and do something else. By the way, we've seen it with white artists and black artists like Janet Jackson, you know, Christina, Britney, all of these people have done this in their career. Miley Cyrus was just the latest person doing it. I think what made people uncomfortable was just like the blatant, like... How I make myself edgy is that I'm vaguely blacker in my affectation now. So it's like I'm twerking. I have, you know, big, fine black women twerking on stage with me. I'm doing rap hands as I perform. I think people were made uncomfortable by how blatant the like edgy is just black. Right. And I think people were just like, this is awkward. Um, whereas now I look at it, it's kind of funny, honestly. I think so too. I mean, I loved the Bangers album. And she really had kind of like, you know, breaking up with Disney and kind of going and testing out other genres. Cause after Bangers, which was where she leaned more into like hip hop, and then she went to Miley Cyrus and her dead pets, which was a lot more like electronic um and techno, which it was a very strange pivot. And then, you know, then she came back with, you know, starting to do, I think like the playlist backyard. Um, the backyard sessions that she did where she was like uh, singing older songs and covers with Dolly Parton. And so she kind of went through this transition before we get to the Miley that we see today. But it was so different for her because there was nothing about bangers that was Hannah Montana. I loved bangers because at the time it came out, I too was going through a heartbreak and I was like, yes, Mm. you know, I was feeling every note because she had just came out of her breakup with Liam for the first time um, before they ultimately ended up coming back together. And then she started singing Malibu as a hippie. I want to ask you, Zach, did you have a relationship with Miley as Hannah Montana, Miley? Because I, I was already too old to even have any understanding or relation with it. So how did you receive this whole quote unquote transformation as it was happening? Yeah, I mean, I was a Disney channel. Let's watch a Disney Channel movie. I was a Disney <laughs> Channel bitch. You know, I grew up on Sweet Life and Hannah Montana and That's So Raven. And that, you know, I grew up on that t- that television. So I did watch Hannah Montana. I mean, I guess at that point, I was kind of aging out of Disney Channel and I should have like stopped watching because um, I was getting a little too old for it by that point. I was like already going into high school. But 
for me, I did remember watching Hannah Montana and I did, you know, the pop songs were kind of fun. But I think for someone my age or in that bracket, we were also kind of growing up with Miley. Mm. So to see her start to break out and to see her start to seemingly find her identity, which ultimately it wasn't. She was just looking for any sort of attention at that age. um, I think it kind of felt like a natural progression of like, yeah, I want to be sexy and dance with Robin Thicke on stage too. Robin, come taste my blurred lines. You know what I mean? So I think it it felt, you know, age appropriate if that's Got the right yeah, yeah. way to Somebody say it. Somebody just sort of coming into their own right, as right, a right. woman or whatever. And being rebellious. Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be said too, like Mike Will had a huge part in putting that album together. And whatever you want to say about Miley Cyrus, Mike Will's credibility as a hip hop producer, it, it can't be impeached. Like he's one of the defining uh, voices, sounds of that generation of hip-hop music and still is to this day. So, like, Mike Will is about as credible as they come when it comes to crafting hip-hop shit. So, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's like one of those things where we're having this whole conversation about who gets to twerk in public. I'm just like, this is... Like, the, the kinds of things that we would wrap ourselves um up in back in those days was kind of funny, too. And I think we forget that, like, the VMAs were the time and place to do crazy, over-sexualized antics like this, you know? This is where we have so many of these pop culture moments. I mean, I then look back at the Britney, St- Britney Spears, Madonna, Christina Aguilera, Menage a Trois on stage where they were all kissing <laughs> at the 2003 VMAs, you know, which... Also, so, you know, over-sexualized and made such waves in in the media. What was your interpretation of that three-way? Yeah, I, look. Again, Were you not, turned on? Not, not really. It, it, like, look, so I went back and watched it, right? And again, the, their lips barely fucking touched if you go yeah. back and watch the um, the video. But also, like, Britney Spears was always sexual, in her presentation, like, if you go watch um, Hit Me Baby one more time, like, this, yeah. th- this isn't some chaste, like, artist, right? Even when she first came out, she was presenting some level of sexuality from the beginning. Christina Aguilera a little bit less so, even though, again, her, like Britney... Um, and Miley Cyrus after her, she did the dirty shit and had Rockwalla produce it, another big hip hop guy. And she did that whole thing as well. But like as a as a young teenage person in, in, in 2003, this shit didn't shock me or scandalize me. Plus the Madonna part of it all. I grew up knowing Madonna as the person who was like getting people charged up in like the Catholic church and all these people charged up about her material and art. So the Madonna part of it made this seem, yeah, this is, isn't this what Madonna does? She provokes people with shit that has to do with sex. What do you think about how Missy Elliott was kind of cut out of the whole scene altogether? Because she came on stage like right after that. I mean, I personally think they should have just invited Missy Elliott and just had a four-way makeout right on stage. You know, and you know what's funny? Of those four people you just mentioned, Missy Elliott is most associated with 
lesbianism than all of them, which right, is right, the, right. The, the most ironic part about it. Like, um, people have thought and said that she was a lesbian from the time I can remember her coming out, right? Like, I'm talking about like 98, 1999. People were like, yeah, Missy Elliott's lesbian. So it's funny that she wasn't even included in this, you know, allegedly lesbian tryst. That's the, that's the best part about all of that. And it's funny that you mentioned that, like, in watching back, because, like, in thinking about the moment, I I remember tongue, and I remember, <laughs> you know, gobble me, swallow me, spit in my mouth, you know, the whole WAP song by Cardi B. Uh-huh. Um, however, when you watch it back, it was like a little, it was a little peck. And then it was a little peck. And like, and but it was such like an, oh my God, they're encouraging lesbianism. And it was, you know, the Catholic church was ready to burn the three bitches at the stake. Yeah. And the thing is, I think as a culture, pop culture specifically was way less overtly sexual. Like the shit that you would even see on something like HBO, like we did the succession pod, it's not succession, excuse me, industry podcast um on um on Monday, I think it was with Jody. Uh, and there's a scene on the show where there's a sex scene and they literally show the guy coming on the girl's stomach. Like literally they show the fucking sperm. And the and, and it's like that's just not shit that was happening in 20, 2003, even on HBO. We just weren't doing shit like that. In culture. And so it was... Unless it was on the the late night adult HBO channels. Exactly. And and so it was a shock to even see two women kiss on TV back then. Where like like nowadays, like that kind of thing doesn't even pass muster. Like it doesn't. Like this is before shit like, you know, uh, Pornhub and like porn even being like on demand in the way that it is. So yeah, just watching MTV and seeing women's lips touch is like... Like, oh my God, we've been scandalized, you know? I know, but it really did, I feel like, help bolster Britney Spears' career. Um, probably, I mean, I think people talked more about Britney and Madonna more than they even really yeah. cared to loop Christina into the no, conversation. They did not. Which I found interesting as well. Yeah, it's just Britney, man. She was always just way more of a lightning rod for media attention. Like, for whatever reason. Still is. Yeah, exactly. Everything that she did just captured the imagination of the people who were putting together media. Like, they just wanted to run with that, whether it be the, you know, the gossip rags, like People Magazine and shit like that, down to MTV. Do you think that it was because she would kind of play on the good girl wanting to be bad girl image whereas Christina went full on genie in a bottle dirty like yes. she went full on you know I know right now the TikTok trend is teenage du- dirtbag and I just saw Christina do hers where she posted all the photos <laughs> she was so overtly sexual <laughs> that I think it was so much for people that with Britney it was always like she was kind of a good girl but she wanted to be a bad girl yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Britney that just people just couldn't let go of whatever their ideas were of her. And she just got people more excited. I, I, I don't, I can't put my finger on why, because, you know, there, you know, you would talk to hipster people who'd be like, well, actually, Christine is the much better singer and vocalist and all of that, which was true. Yeah. Um, right. But it's just the, the Britney thing. I, 
I can't quite put my finger on it. Everything she did caused a shitstorm, whether it's who she was dating, uh, right. the, the, the music itself, all of it. Just, it was crazy, man. To the point which where people even gave a shit about her little sister. Right. <laughs> which made no sense. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, she was just a lightning rod. I mean, and they knew how to utilize her, too, because she had just broken up with Justin Timberlake at this point. And they even, like, flashed to him, showing his reaction. And he's just kind of, like, mortified that she, you know, is no longer with him. And now she's making out with Madonna on stage and becoming a lot more culturally relevant. By the way, just as a quick aside um, about the double standards we have in culture, you know, Justin Timberlake leaves in sync... um, where they're making the most cookie cutter mainstream, we know what mainstream means, music imaginable. The minute he gets out of that group, he starts making shit with Pharrell and Timbaland, aka black music, and nobody questions it, right? Like nobody's like, yo, why is this Timbaland dancing like he's ushering Michael Jackson and shit? Like, why is he? Nobody questions it. It's just cool. It's just fine when when the white boy does it. But you know, they gave Miley Cyrus grief for essentially doing exactly the same thing. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, a lot to be said about, you know, that time and how men could get away with it. I mean, the fact that nobody, even to this day, nobody really gives him, like everyone kind of cuts him slack for all the Britney stuff. And he was very much around to kind of witness a lot of that stuff. Never supported her, never came out. Um, even to this day, hasn't even really come but, out But you know what I will her. say though, Zach? He's paying for it in the sense that like, Nobody cares about Justin Timberlake anymore. Yeah. He doesn't elicit any emotion. No hate, no love. People are just completely indifferent about the guy, which is insane because he was once the biggest pop star on the planet at a certain I'm point. I'm bringing sexy back. Yep. Which, I mean, a lot of that that album wasn't... Now, in retrospect, a lot of the album wasn't that great. Um, a lot of his music was good, but, you know... In retrospect, it's it's funny to think of like what songs we thought were actually good and what songs Beyonce should have won music video awards over instead. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. 
on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Curious what your thoughts are on um, another big VMA moment, which involved Fiona Apple when she had her rebellious 90s moment where she said this world is bullshit and basically called out the hypocrisy of Hollywood. It was at the, the 1997 VMAs. She accepted award, the award for Best New Artist for her video, Sleep to Dream, goes up on stage, quotes Maya Angelou, and then basically talks about how, you know, this whole world of Hollywood is total bullshit and she really doesn't care to be a part of it, which then she got so much, you know, feedback for or lots of criticism for, for being a hypocrite. Um, I mean, every critic had something to say about her at the time. What were your thoughts of Fiona Apple just in general at that time and her speech? So, you know, what's funny is that I was way too young to sort of understand the full scope of the Fiona Apple thing and moment. Um, Shouts to Rob Harvilla's 60 Songs That Explained the 90s. He he put a dope Fiona Apple episode together where he, like, really breaks down what was going on around her and the conversation. Like, at the time, like, Fiona Apple kind of fell in the bucket for me of, like white musicians who were vaguely like scary and edgy like a basically like a a woman Marilyn Manson you know what I'm saying like there were always these like white musicians who felt like they were in the other bucket they weren't cutesy and cuddly they were like edgy and kind of dangerous and scary and she fell into that bucket for whatever reason I didn't really understand you know, what she was doing with her music or the messages she was trying to play with. Like, she was pretty fucking, like, revolutionary in what she was trying to do at that time. But, like, the a young me couldn't really grasp um, what she was doing. And I'm not surprised in retrospect that somebody who, you know, sort of stuck their finger in the eye of the cultural establishment would be met with a huge backlash. Whereas, like, these people, like... You're supposed to be, like, fun and enjoying it. And, like, why are you so angry all the time, right? Like, so I'm not surprised that she got a backlash from those folks. Because these people, let's face it, man, they're so fucking self-referential and reverential, too, right? Like, they, they really think the most of themselves and the jobs that they're doing uh, in the culture industry. So I'm not surprised that there was like a huge backlash um, against this woman, young woman, who's just like, you guys are full of shit. And I don't even know why I'm entertaining this. Which I loved about her. I mean, I also kind of feel like the 90s were kind of like that, you know, rebel without a cause phase where everyone kind of wanted to be a rebel for whatever reason. Um, And she was at that age where like, you know, you want to kind of rebel against the system. Um, But I do find it interesting because you said that she was really edgy. But what like what was edgy about her? The fact that she wasn't making out with other women on stage, the fact that she wasn't overtly sexual, that she was open and honest about her feelings and maybe didn't 
didn't go with a mainstream narrative. And that's what made her so, you know, different is that she didn't want to be one of the pretty Disney girls. She didn't want to be a Britney Spears dancing in a schoolgirl outfit in the locker room. Like, you know, it was just it was interesting that that's how we we pegged her at that time. Um, And she continued to have a pretty big career even afterwards. It didn't seem like it had too many big repercussions um, as a result of the speech. But I did, you know, I appreciated that somebody was willing to call it out at a time when maybe it wasn't popular. Like now you can call out the system. Now you can speak out. Now we've had all of these cultural mo- movements that have become hashtags on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. now it's the yeah, opposite. Yeah, now, yeah. You're, now you're unpopular if you don't have a cause. Whereas at the time, you know, I think it was it was big on her to actually stand up for something and risk her career as a result of that. Yeah, and I think th- th- there's just a sense that she wasn't, quote-unquote, playing the game. Yeah. And again, like, the the gatekeepers are not going to like that, right? Like, the entire point of the exercise is that we're all playing the game. We all know what we're supposed to say. We all know what's expected of us as a young, attractive woman in this in this game. Like, Play your position, play your part. And anytime somebody strays against strays from that or bucks against that, yeah, they're gonna be met with ridiculous backlash. And if you read some of the press that this that this woman got um in real time, it's it's just insane. It's the kind of things that like would get you canceled and banished from media for um these days, which is just crazy, you know, to to see her moment like as a just basically a little moment in time. Well, and you're right, because men, and and to your point earlier about the double standards, men were allowed to be edgy at that time. Eminem was allowed to completely just rip apart women and anybody in the in the industry, <laughs> you know. And yet somebody like Fiona Apple can just say, you know, this world is bullshit, and she would get so much, so much heat for that. Um, was there another VMA moment that really stands out to you? Yeah, it's it's the little mama. Jay-Z, Alicia Keys thing, which if people who are watching that, I'm listening at home, aren't familiar. Jay-Z, by this time in 2011, he'd been 15 years um, into his career as uh, a rap artist, mainstream music artist, right? And a lot of people don't know this, but Empire State of Mind, his song with Alicia Keys, was his first number one. Like his first ever number one on the Billboard charts record was Empire State of Mind. So it's like this big moment for him at the VMAs that he's performing this with Alicia Keys, right? Like it's about New York City. It's in New York City. Him and Alicia Keys are New York City people. All of this shit. And Little Mama basically crashes the stage, crashes the performance and it's just posing there with Jay-Z and like this meme of little mama and Jay's, this shit would not stop. And um, the craziest thing too that people don't understand is like little mama was like an artist and she was an actress and she had all of these things. This shit got her blackballed. Like this shit literally, <laughs> this shit literally fucked up her career. This one fuck up, this one very public fuck up and ridiculous moment. Like she was done. You basically, she got banished after this. Do you think she was expecting the opposite? 
I think she just got caught up in the moment. Like yeah. it's a, she's a New York City person too, and it's like this New York moment, and she just felt the energy, and she just felt compelled to make herself part of it. And people were just like, they just would not let this thing go. And again, it's just crazy how how much legs moments at the VMAs could have. Like you can't, yeah. like I can't even imagine something like. Chris Rock got smacked at the Oscars and like, yeah, that had a whole, you know, conversation going, but like he got assaulted on live TV. Right. And so, yeah, this is just somebody just crashing the stage and this shit went on for weeks and weeks and weeks that people were talking about this. You know, she had to go on the radio, the breakfast club with, with Charlemagne and them. She had to make all these appearances to apologize and all of that. And she, all she did was just something stupid and silly. Right. I mean, listen, I love me some little mama. My lip gloss is popping. I love that she's had I love that she's had like a resurgence on TikTok lately where people are doing the little mama lip gloss dance on TikTok and that's kind of becoming a moment again. Um or even listen, I I told you I, I did, I'm did basic, you make one? Not yet, but I think okay. I may need to. Send me um, that link when you do, please. Um, yeah, they're doing the, the cross in the in the hallway. Listen, um, but listen, I was also I like I told you, a basic bitch. So I loved when she did the the Avril Lavigne girlfriend remix, and they came out at the the Choice Awards, and they were performing. I love me some little mama, um, some little mama. But I mean, it really is crazy how one little moment that seemingly was innocuous can really affect somebody's career and or like essentially end their career and how like, Hollywood had that much power. It's it's insane. I, again, like we we're just not we don't live in a monoculture anymore. So it's hard for like singular events to produce this level of conversation and impact. But like again, looking back, like just the amount of legs this one moment had will like it it will forever stick in my mind because like people just couldn't believe it and you know like there's been these other memes like the Jordan meme and like all of these other memes that have had like a crazy amount of legs little mama and Jay-Z with his arms folded and his face of just like bewilderment annoyance all of it um just amazing honestly do you think that maybe impacted the fact that it was Jay-Z and his reaction? Do you think that's yeah. why people really yeah. kind of threw her into the fire? Yeah, if 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 Jay's reaction would have been one of, oh, like having fun and acknowledged her and embraced her and been like, yeah, you should be on stage with me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all of that. Of course, people would have been like, yeah, no problem. But his reaction was one of like, yeah, I'm I'm completely mortified right now. I can't believe this person is completely just co-opting my moment right now for their own purposes. And again, like little mama's not a peer. She's not one of Jay-Z's artists. She's not like of Jay-Z's stature. She's literally crashing um his moment. And and yeah, the discomfort on Jay's face absolutely played a role in how angry people were at Lil Mama for, <laughs> for this stage crashing. 
Listen, hopefully TikTok can bring her back because I like this little TikTok trend we got going on with Lil Mama. I, I'm ready for some new Lil Mama music. Um, so I feel like we can't talk about the VMA moments without talking about VMA fashions and how a lot of women in Hollywood really used the red carpet as an opportunity to make really strong statements. Two that come to mind for me was probably Rose McGowan in 98 with her uh, chain dress is what they referred to it. And then Lady Gaga in 2010 with her meat dress. So Rose, I know, has spoken out about it recently. Um, or she really started to talk about it when her book Brave came out and her assault from Harvey Weinstein. And so she's talked about how this dress, which was essentially just a bunch of chain, it, it was the material was all chain. Uh, she had no bra on, so her breasts were completely exposed and she was wearing just like a little black thong, which... The, the Jenner sisters wear stuff like this on the red carpet all the time. Kendall Jenner is forever showing off her boobs today. But at that point in 98, Rose McGowan was so slut shamed for wearing that dress, which really she now has said was a way for her to speak out about her sexuality because this was her first public appearance since the Weinstein assault. What were your thoughts of Rose wearing this outfit back then? I remember everybody was like, whoa. Again, like she showed up with Marilyn Manson. Right. I, I just assumed this is what people like that did. <laughs> you know, at the time, I was just like, okay, isn't this what edgy whites do? They push the envelope. I, that's that's what I... That's That was just my base assumption, right? Again, I wasn't aware of the sort of backlash and, uh, you know, shaming of just like, oh my God, what will the kids do if they see a nipple? Like right. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that conversation, which again, in 2022, just sounds so trite and pat. Just the idea that seeing a woman's nipple underneath the see-through dress could cause a stir with anybody is is you know it's kind of ridiculous these days. Right. And like she would like you mentioned, she was with Marilyn Manson, who wore the most outlandish outfits, who was like so into needing attention on these red carpets. But yet all we focused on was the fact that Rose McGowan showed us her boobs. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, 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 I couldn't understand that that level of backlash at the time. And again, I'm even more miffed by it by now. But other, you know, outfits that immediately come to mind is um, J-Lo. Uh, she showed up basically like <laughs> in a matching outfit with Puff, um, Sean, yes. Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever the fuck we're calling them. Now, this is like at the height of their relationship. And she's wearing like a bandana with rhinestones in it. She's rocking yes. a Sean John top, which was Puff's um, clothing line at the time. I remember being seeing that and being like, wow, that's that's pretty, that's pretty fire on Puff's part. Um, and then uh little Kim with the with the tit out, of course, you know, Diana Ross grabbing the tit um up on stage. That one was something that stuck with me for sure because Little Kim was, she was a freaking goddess, a superhero damn near in my mind at that time. So yeah, I definitely remember those two outfits for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the VMA fashion really became such like, because then we started dedicating, you know, coverage from just the award shows to the carpet where we would want to see the fashion. And then you have, you know, Joan Rivers hosting Fashion Police where, you know, that really became a big additional piece of the coverage from these award shows. 
And then people started to try and go more outlandish. I mean, 2010, we have Lady Gaga, who literally wore a meat dress, which at first I thought was about like a PETA statement, like save the animals, <laughs> only to find out that, I mean, talk about completely missing the mark, only to find out that it was a political statement about the don't ask, don't tell policy, speaking out for LGBTQ rights at that time. And I'm just like, Lady Gaga, come on. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, when you, when you let theater kids make political statements that you get a meat dress. That's, that's basically what happens. She totally missed the mark. Like, listen, she, she was speaking up for me, but I can say, listen, Lady Gaga, this was a major miss. Like, this was not like, cause we're talking about it as like the meat and, and the questions we have are like, was it really Rami? How did we sterilize that? Was she in that all night? Like, if you Google it, all the questions that come up on Google had nothing to do with what her <laughs> statement actually was. And so again, funny. you would think it was something related to PETA for animal rights, which had nothing to do. I think PETA was even pissed at her for wearing raw real meat to the award show. Ridiculous. That is, that is too funny. But yes, a very iconic moment right there. Yes. Iconic for sure. I mean, we have so many. Um... Are there any others you want to bring to mind before we yeah, wrap? I think the only other one that me, like when when uh, I got hit up about the VMAs, the only other one that came to my mind was when Eminem performed and he brought out all of those like clone Eminems. Okay. Uh, uh, like that would that performance was like. I feel like they would play the performance instead of his actual video for the song a lot as well afterwards. So like that performance was a big ass deal at the time. Um, and so, yeah, that that joint where they're all rocking the ble the bleach blonde hair and the white T-shirt and like they, they all spill into freaking Times Square where the VMAs was at. Like it was it was crazy or Radio City Music Hall, wherever the freak uh, hell the um VMAs was that, but that Eminem performance, because at the time I was a young little rap nerd and rap fan, and Eminem was the biggest thing in rap music, yeah. uh, rap music, pop music, whatever you want to call it. So everything that he did sort of resonated with me and my homies. And so, yeah, that Eminem performance definitely sticks in my mind. He really pushed the boundary. Like every boundary that there could be, he really liked to not just dance on the line, but like fully cross the line and was so unapologetic about it. Like he wasn't afraid to be booed on stage. He wasn't afraid to, you know, have backlash with other artists that he was having to come face to face with at the award shows. Like he really, yeah. talk about zero bucks. <laughs> he really gave not one. Yeah. <laughs> and you were know, you a big Eminem fan back in the day? Yeah, 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 I loved Eminem. Yeah. Uh, basically, from the Same. from the first time I saw my name is guilty conscience, all of that, I was I was on board. And then when he came out with um, the Marshall Mathers LP, which is, you know, that was the biggest thing in my world. Um, and I'm talking about like I grew up in all black West Indian neighborhoods. We all had the album. We all listened to knew every single song front to back. Like he was the biggest thing in rap music. So yeah, at the time I was hugely, hugely into Eminem. Same. I really, I liked Eminem. Um, I liked that he was, I always gravitated towards the more edgy people, even though I myself didn't think I was that edgy. I mean, the edgiest I got was wearing like an Ed Hardy shirt that I thought was so cool, which is not edgy <laughs> at all. It was so mainstream. Um, no, but I, I loved Eminem. Even to this day, I like, you know, listening to a lot of his, his older music. Um, I feel like we need to bring Eminem back. Him and Dr. Dre. 
Yeah, Eminem is like <laughs> it, it's it, it happens to all of our pop stars as they age, they just become like dad vibes and Eminem is just pure dad vibes now. You know, he's even grown a beard which is like really weird and awkward. Um he does he's his like hair is dark now. He he's just pure dad yeah. uh, uh uh energy these days. So it, it's 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 strange to somebody like me where he literally was the edgiest guy around where he's like dissing his mother. He's talking shit about Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. And he's just like, he was just this like crazy person who would just say anything, you know? Uh, so, it's, so it's crazy to watch him age and become just straight up a father figure. <laughs> and to see his daughter be a full grown yeah, she's a grown woman, ass woman now. That's like, craziness. Yeah. She was, I still see her as like the little girl that he had in his music videos. I still remember Mockingbird. Like, you know, I still see her as that little girl. Now she's like this grown woman and talk about making you feel old. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this performance right now. Like he even talked like, it's, it's crazy. Like people are going nuts for this and to pull this off is is just so wild. And yeah, in the moment, we were just all just blown away by Eminem and just like how crazy this white boy was. And then, by the way, um, <laughs> another thing that I love about Eminem was me going to college in 2005 and... Um, realizing that like white boys from middle America had like a different attachment to Eminem. Like when you, when you grow up in New York city, you, you don't really conceive that there are like poor downtrodden white people in our country. Like you just think white people have money are doing well, all of them amass. And then when I went to college and I met like, you know, hard scrabble whites, <laughs> you know, not New York City whites. I was like, wow, like Eminem was like touching people on an even deeper level than I even understood. Like he spoke for like trailer park whites like that, that I had no conception of. We don't have trailer parks in Brooklyn and Queens, right? <laughs> or Manhattan. So like just learning about Eminem's cultural impact on that level when I went to college and he was like, damn, they're a Jesus figure to these white boys was also really fun. White boys that wanted to feel cool. They're like, yeah, I like Eminem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Eminem and Journey, apparently. The kids that I went to college right. with anyway. <laughs> right. right. Oh, my God. Well, this was a fun deep dive back into the VMAs. Um, was I had a blast with you. This is fun. Yeah, this this was dope, Zach. I hope we get to do something like this again. Um, obviously, watching your work. I'm glad that you're working with us here at The Ringer. Uh, and you're killing it. Keep doing your thing, brother. Thank you, Waz. Um, where can everybody go and keep up with you after this? Um, the NBA season won't be back for another like six weeks, but but we are doing uh, NBA content over at the Ringer NBA show feed. Uh, I'm also reviewing, doing recaps of industry on the Prestige TV pod with Jody Walker, um, another great ringer colleague of mine. So yeah, go check that out. And then follow me, Big Waz, on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, LinkedIn, wherever you want to find me. <laughs> LinkedIn, I love it. Like you're you're aging from Eminem edge days yeah, exactly. to, to dad vibes now with, exactly. with the, the LinkedIn shout out. Um, 
Thank you guys. I'm Zach Peter. You can follow me. I have a podcast called Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter, where I dive into all the latest pop culture and reality TV news available on all podcast platforms. And if you want to keep up with me, you can follow me at Just Plain Zach. And thank you for taking this history lesson back into the culture we love, the pop culture and the VMAs. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.